Oh yeah, the sword of the Spirit, the Bible. We've all brought our tongues. Can't really check those at the door. It's hard stitching them back on afterwards, isn't it? We've all brought a lethal weapon. We've all brought our tongues. We've called our sermon series, while we're looking through Proverbs over a few consecutive weeks, we've called it Sacred Soundbites. And there's a reason. The world we live in loves soundbites. Is that not, that's not true? We love phrases. We love mottos. We love brand logos and their subsequent little tags. Oh yeah, and we are surrounded by media, 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 everywhere. It's information age, isn't it? We've got the internet, we've got radio, we've got newspapers, we've got TV, all sorts. Flicking through on our mobile phones, we've got BBC and Twitter and Facebook. Information is always readily available. And just in recent years, recent decades, let alone recent centuries, things have changed a lot. We're now in a literate age where information is readily accessible. And if something kicks off in Libya... Actually, if you happen to be on your phone at the time, you can find out within seconds, pretty much, because of the social networks. It's bonkers, really. News travels fast. That's always been true, but especially so today. Sometimes what we hear is true. Hopefully most of the time what we hear is true and often very helpful. That's why the news on the TV, on the radio, wherever we get it from, is helpful. It's good for us to know what's going on. Sometimes what we hear is true, but is unhelpful. Sometimes there's a time and a place to pass on information, either within our social circles or sometimes on the news as well. Sometimes we're better off not knowing for a while because the damage can be done by something that is true. It depends. There needs to be a wisdom behind it, doesn't there? Sometimes it's false. Particularly in politics, I don't want to be cynical. I trust that most of what we hear is true, but there is spin involved People deliver information in a way that suits them, in a way that bigs them up, builds their kingdom and so on. We're all capable of that. But particularly in politics, we hear about it, not often after the event we find out about how it was told actually misled us a bit. But sometimes it's gossip, sometimes it's outright lies, and we can see in the news how outright lies, how they unravel, how they destroy other people, but how they end up destroying the person who's lied as well. We often see big news stories recently about lying in court and so on or lying at the time of the incident. Spin and gossip and so on. We can see the dangers on the news. We can all shake our heads. We can all tut at the telly and forget that we're all just as capable ourselves, aren't we? Do you want to turn to Proverbs chapter 18? And here is a sacred soundbite that is very much sacred. Proverbs comes just after. There's a big hymn book. In the middle of the Bible called Psalms, this is the, the uh, book just after called Proverbs. It's a collection of wise sayings, mostly by Solomon, King David's son. Solomon's considered to be the wisest man who's ever lived. But there are also other people who have written some of these Proverbs as well. But here's one from Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. So you haven't got a whole passage this week to... Wade through, we've got one verse we're going to read. A couple of these will come up on the screen, not all of them will. Hopefully you've got your Bibles with you, or your Bibles in your pocket. We've all got mobile phones with Bibles on now, or the spare Bibles at the back. It's always good to see it for yourself. Don't just take it from my, from my lips, that what, is, what I'm saying is in the Bible is in there. Find out for yourself. Read the Bible. Don't just trust that what's up there is in the Bible. See for yourself. Proverbs 18, verse 21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruits. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it 
will eat its fruits. Let me just pray. We'll find out really what that means. Lord Jesus, we believe the Bible is your word, your revelation. We thank you for it. We thank you that in here is more than just information. There is true eternal wisdom. Something we can cling to, something we can rely on. Something we can stand on and stand beneath. And trust that it always points to you. Points to the reason for our very being. Points to the reason for the darkness we find in our hearts, let alone in others. And points us to the answer for all the problems we see. In ourselves, let alone elsewhere. And Lord, as we find out what this particular verse means today and what we can do about it. Lord, we trust that you will ultimately be the one who is glorified more than anything in this. So please come and speak to us. We say, Holy Spirit, enlighten our hearts this morning. Challenge us and provoke us where necessary, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. The tongue has the power of life and death. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah, Joe. It's a bit heavy, isn't it? Is that a bit excitable? Is it a bit overly dramatic? The tongue has the power of life and death. Die. Nope, didn't work. Didn't work. Doesn't work like that, does it? So what's it talking about? The tongue has the power of life and death. How can one little muscle, that's only actually attached at one end anyway, bunch of teeth, some of us have got more of those than others, couple of lips, and two tiny little white curtains called vocal cords. How can that combination of those small body parts cause so much trouble? Life and death? Really? Bible says it does. It must be true. Let's find out why. How can a few small biological components cause so much trouble? See, obviously, tongue here isn't just referring to that one-ended muscle. It's what's called a synecdoche. It refers to something bigger than it is. It's about sending in the guns. And the general says that. It doesn't just mean the metal bits. He's talking about the soldiers who are carrying them. And here, the tongue represents something bigger. So tongue here is talking about language, communication, in any way or form. It can be spoken, it can be written, it can be typed, it can be tweeted, it can be signed, it can be in braille, it can even be in body language and demeanour. It's not just what you say, it's how you say it as well, isn't it? Words bear power. Mein Kampf is Hitler's book that was partly autobiographical, but mostly it's him explaining his politics and his philosophy. And obviously we know what happened during World War II. Everybody knows about that. That book, Mein Kampf, explained what was driving that. For every single word in Mein Kampf, 125 people died. Start adding that up. Millions, isn't it? Words have power. Words influence. 90% of teenagers in our country now, 9 out of every 10 teenagers in this country witness bullying on the internet. It's called bullying. It's the written word. It's not even spoken. It's typed. 90% witness it, 50% of them on the receiving end. Words and comments spoken on Facebook or on Twitter or on MySpace or YouTube comments, whatever it will be, blog comments. And those words hurt, don't they? doesn't mean the internet's evil. It's not. It's just a thing. The World Wide Web is not sinful. It's the people who use it. Same as money. Money is neutral. It's the love of money that's evil. It's the people that use it that can be evil. 
Same with the internet. The internet's just a tool, but it's how we use it that's the difference. And words hurt. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That old tosh, isn't it? Of course they do. Of course they do. Verbal bullying can and does lead to suicide. I've seen it in my job. Words have an effect. There is power in the tongue. It can go one of two ways, life or death. Have a look at Proverbs 12, six chapters earlier. Just quickly, Victor. Proverbs 12, verse 18. Is the sword. Reckless words pierce like a sword. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. We've got a choice, haven't we? And the words we share, even not even realising what we're saying, it's not always the conscious stuff, which is bad enough, but sometimes we don't even realise what we said or how we said it. It can be life or death. You're getting frightened of me waving this about now, aren't you? Sword thrusts or healing? You can go one of two ways. Sword thrusts, you're pathetic. You're ugly. You're stupid. You'll never amount to much. I never even wanted you. You were an accident. Sword thrusts. A little bit of death every time. I hate you. I'll never forgive you. Sword thrusts. A little bit of death every time. There's other types of death as well. We can stifle people in conversation. We cannot give them a chance to explain their side of the story. There's a little bit of death. We can manipulate or we can mock. Even in a joke that we think is innocent can hurt. We need to be careful. We can pass the blame, a little bit of death. Blame is the second sin ever committed on this planet. First one, got the first humans, Adam and Eve, in the garden, asked not to do one thing, eat of a certain tree. That's all God asked. What did they do? They ate of the tree. Because in that moment, they weren't saying, your will be done on earth. They were saying, my will, not yours. And they ate of the tree. That's the first sin. The second scene was when God came up to Adam and said, have you done what I asked you not to? What does Adam go? She made me do it. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. It was her. Death. Because that was division in the family. Death in the family. Second sin. Death in the family. He passed the buck on his wife. Didn't take a standard and admit his own sin. I'll put that down for a sec. But then we have healing as well. I love what you did there. I love being around you. I just love having you with us. You're brilliant. What you did that other day, what you said to that person, that thing you made. Thanks for that. I want to use you more because I think there's things you can do for us. God's giving you a gift. You're clever. You're beautiful. It's healing, isn't it? It's completely different. 
I forgive you. It's hard. That's healing, isn't it? It's the same anatomy and physiology, and yet one is death, one is life. See, some folk are a balm, aren't they? When they speak, they know what to say, they know what not to say. When they speak to you, they make you the VIP of the conversation. They don't stifle you, they listen. It's almost like when you need to be listened to and when you're hurting, they just have their first aid box and they know which remedies to get out to apply that salve. Sometimes it's just listening, sometimes it's knowing what to say. That's life, that's healing, isn't it? It's the same anatomy and physiology. It's still a tongue, teeth, lips, vocal cords can deliver death, can deliver life. But if that's the case, then what's the difference? The difference is the heart. Matthew 12. I'm going to get you flicking through your Bibles. The first book of the New Testament is the Gospel of Matthew. One of Jesus' friends wrote this. And he says in chapter 12 of Matthew, let's start at 34, I'll focus on, but start on verse 33 because that helps paint the picture. Matthew 12, verse 33. This is Jesus having a go at the Pharisees. The Pharisees were a bunch of religious leaders at the time, they were a bunch of hypocrites. Not all of them, but the vast majority of them. And Jesus is confronting them on this, about the state of their heart. And he paints a picture about trees. Verse 33 of Matthew 12, he says, Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognised by its fruit. Does you brood of vipers. Ooh, strong language. How can you, you who are evil, say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Remember when Benjamin Smith was here a few weeks ago, he reminded us from Proverbs 4, that guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. It's out of the heart the mouth speaks. Sometimes, even while I was preparing this, I had to ask myself, I had to think back on recent conversations. How I spoke to people things I said or about people behind their backs how did I talk about them was I building my kingdom or was I building Jesus's was I serving myself in that conversation or was I serving others and actually it's a good audit of where my heart is at the way I say things the things I say it's out of the heart the mouth speaks Jesus is saying there, trees bear fruit according to their biology. You don't get an oak tree with oranges on it. It'd be quite cool though. I'm sure it's possible these days with science if they wanted to. But in the natural, an oak tree will not bear oranges. As much as a good, healthy tree will not bear bad fruit. Only a bad, unhealthy tree will bear bad fruit. It's out of the heart the mouth speaks. In the same way, out of our biology, we bear a certain kind of fruit. Life or death or quite often something in between. Sometimes it changes. and Which is why that very first proverb we looked at about the power of the tongue, those who love it will eat its fruits. 
there are consequences to the things we say. Sometimes these are, we eat the fruits ourselves, but also the fruits affect other people as well, which is the obvious. We think about the things we say and we hurt someone. We forget actually it comes back on us as well. We can start believing the little white lies we tell. If we become known for gossip, people won't trust us. If we get caught out in lies, people will start not to trust us. It comes back on us as well. If you're always talking about you or you're always talking over you, you'll end up being avoided. Brings division, doesn't it? So it comes back on us as well. But there are positive fruits as well. If you are known to be trustworthy, people will trust you more. If they share confidential things with you, they'll only do that if they know they can trust you. There are positive fruits you receive as much as other people. If you're known to share words of wisdom and known to share considered words and not always just keep blurting the first thing that comes out of the top of your head, People will learn to come to you for counsel. To listen to you. But it's all very well. I know I'm capable of getting it wrong. Anybody else here? Hello. <laughs> Hello. All the hands. What do we do about it? That's the problem. Great. Brilliant. We understand that. What do we do about it? Well, we can learn to discipline ourselves, and that's appropriate. The Bible does talk about that. What sort of things does the Bible say? Psalm 141, verse 3, says, Set a guard over my mouth. Picture something like Hannibal Lecter or a (laughs) hockey player in the goal or something. But it's kind of like that. Set a guard over my mouth. Let me think about what I'm about to deliver. Doesn't mean... Don't say anything. He's not saying a muzzle, just a guard. Almost like a bouncer on, on the mouth, going, not letting you out. Because quite often I let it out and then think, I wish I hadn't. Almost as I'm saying it, I'm thinking I shouldn't say this. I still do it. Set a guard over my mouth. We need God's help, don't we? Beginning of James chapter 1, verse 19. Jesus is half-brother. He says, be slow to speak and quick to listen. Slow to speak. Any DIYers, builders in the house? What's the first rule before you cut something? Measure twice. Measure twice, cut once. Because once you've cut it, there's no going back if you measured it wrong. Measure twice. Then you'll only have to cut once. We should do that with our mouths. Think twice before I say it. The amount of times I've written and rewritten and rewritten a tweet and then I've ended up deleting it because I knew it just wouldn't be helpful. It wasn't anything inherently wrong, but I knew that could get misread. So I've actually deleted it. I've learned other times I've put something on Facebook and I probably shouldn't have done. I knew what I meant by it because there's no body language involved. I need to be aware of how that's going to be read. Measure twice, cut once. Good little rule. Be slow to speak. In Colossians 4, verse 6, it says, Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt. 
I know I don't do it always. I end up building my kingdom in conversation, not his. So there are things we can learn. There are things we can ask help for. The Bible's full of them. But how we talk, there's more as well. It's all very well, but we still get it wrong, don't we? They are things that help. Are they the answer? If it was as simple as that, life would be a lot easier, wouldn't it? But it's not. Because James, Jesus' half-brother, still in a couple of chapters later, James chapter 3. We probably, I wasn't going to read it. We've probably got time to read it now. James chapter 3. It's right near the end of the Bible. If you can't find it, you've got an index at the beginning of your Bible. It comes just after Hebrews, if that helps. Not long before Revelation, right at the end of the Bible. James chapter 3. Let's start from verse 5. He's talking about taming the tongue. He's helping us realise we can't actually do it. (laughs) It's very helpful. James chapter 3, verse 5. It says, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body. We've already worked that out, haven't we? But it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person. Sets the whole course of his life on fire and itself set from fire by hell. Strong words. Skip to verse 9. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse men. On a Sunday morning, I could be singing a song, praising him one moment and cutting someone down with my same tongue the next moment. It's possible. Often without even realising we've done it. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. He says you can't control the tongue. It's like fire. So he's not just talking about one sword thrust that will cut down a tree. He's talking about one spark that can destroy a whole forest. Gossip. Easily done. One little thing. It's out there. You can't get it back. You can't get a big butterfly and let it catch it, can you? It's gone. And it starts rippling around. A friend of my mum and dad's, John Blanchard, when he writes about this part of James, he tells the story of when during the war, he was, uh, uh, what was the word? Kids sent away to be safe. Brains gone. Evacuated. He was evacuated to the Hebrides. And worked on a farm. I know, bless him, we're a bit too far, wasn't it? <laughs> what had he done to deserve that? Sounds like he had the right time, apparently, but. But on the farm, one of their jobs was to clear up the ashes after a fire on the farm. This was a regular thing they had to do. One day, him and his mate had a great plan. This will be fun. We get one of those little embers, just a tiny ember, play it safe. <laughs> Protect it from the wind with a bit of cardboard, and we're going to take it up the mountain. There's some dry heather up there. Set fire to a little bush, have a bit of fun, and then we'll put it out. You see where this is going, can't you? Hello. So they did. Took out the mountain, set fire to a bit of heather, a bit of fun. They let it catch the next bit. They thought, oh, it's still containable. Do all right. A couple more bits. A few feet across. It was by the time it reached about 15, 20 feet across, they thought they might not be able to put it out. They scarpered. Farmers for miles had to come quickly 
to put out. By the, time, by the time it finished, the whole mountain was on fire. All these farmers nearly lost all their livelihoods. One ember. One ember, that's all it took. That's the tongue can do that. How do we curb that? How do we control that? We can put discipline in place, but ultimately, can we do it? No, of course we can't. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of the heart. What's the answer? A change of heart. Yeah, sometimes there's a, there's, there is a time to speak truth, but it's how you say it. That's why the Bible talks about being seasoned with salt. Some of the audition, people doing auditions on X Factor. How they reached that far in the past 20 years without their parents going, maybe you're better at something else, love. They turn up and go, my parents are all behind me, they're all cheering me on. And they open their mouth and they, their singing voice sounds like a herd of goats. Bless them, but sometimes the truth needs to be said, but it's the way we say it that's the, that's the key. It's about the heart. Sometimes we say things that hurt, and that proves our heart again. Isaiah, when he's before God, the prophet Isaiah, chapter 6, he says, I'm a man of unclean lips, when he realises who he's standing before, and he realises actually that contrasts what he's like. He says, I'm a man of unclean lips, amongst a people of unclean lips. It's a bad picture, but it's true. Because all of us, our hearts are tainted with a bit of darkness. There was only one answer. As April says, it's a change of heart. There's only one person who can change our biology and therefore our fruits. And that's Jesus. Jesus is the best example for how to use the tongue. Death or life? Life, 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 life. Everywhere he went, the way he spoke to people. Sometimes he spoke the truth, like some people should do to their kids when they want to go for X Factor, but they can't sing. He spoke the truth to the woman at the well. You're in sin. I know, because I'm God. But he said it in such a way that he breathed life into her. And she went back to that village and the village was changed. He spoke life. It was truth and it hurt and he confronted her. He didn't shy away from telling the truth. But he did it in such a way that it breathed life. Jesus is the best example, which is brilliant. And we need to follow. But we need to realise that without his help and a change of heart, we'll never match up to that, will we? One more thing to turn to. So, book of John. This is Jesus' best friend. It's the fourth gospel, the fourth book in the New Testament. First chapter of John's letter, John's gospel. Jesus' best friend talks about Jesus as eternal God. And how does he describe him? Right at the beginning. The Word. Jesus is the spoken revelation of Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Jesus is described as the Word. How did God create in the beginning? God said. He spoke. God creates by his spoken word. He sustains all things by his spoken word. And Jesus is described as the word. The Bible, the word, is the revelation of Jesus. If you read through this and think it's all about do's and don'ts, you're missing the point. 
This is the revelation of Jesus, Son of God, eternal Son of God. And John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is eternal. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three persons. We'll be looking at the Trinity in May and what that means to us in everyday life. Jesus was God, still is, and he's described as the Word. Verse 2, he was with God in the beginning. Then he goes on to say this. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. The Word is life. You want a change of heart? There's only one person that can change your biology and breathe new life into your dead heart. Jesus, the Son of God, eternal God. Who wants to be in the habit of delivering sword thrusts? No one. Who wants to be in the habit of delivering life? Hallelujah. There's only one person that can help us do that, and that's Jesus, because he started it. Jesus changes our hearts, which change our tongues, which change the fruits of it, which affects ourselves, the people around us, and brings glory to him. He had such a ragtag bunch with him, didn't he, while he was on this planet? God love them. Bunch of plonkers. But you see how he spoke to them. And I've already mentioned the woman at the well. The story where he catches a woman in sin. She's been through so many men and now she's living with someone she's not even married to. And he points it out. He did the same with his own friends. He'd rebuked them, but he'd never cut them down. He'd never belittle them. He'd speak the truth, sometimes privately, sometimes publicly. But it will always be in such a way it builds up and breathes life. We're a ragtag bunch. I'm not pointing the finger, I'm starting with me. And he does the same with us. He doesn't cut us down. He will always receive you. And he always doesn't do it in such a way that he breathes new life into you. We just have to be willing to receive that. Look at the way he spoke to Peter. Peter is one of the guys more than any of the other disciples. And I read what he says. <sighs> makes you cringe. Some of, the, some of the things he comes out with. If I was one of the other disciples and here Peter's off again. Nothing to do with me. I'm wandering over to this market store and pretend I'm not with him. <laughs> He's saying something stupid again. Things he says sometimes are horrendous. And he says to Jesus, I'll never let you down. And Jesus goes, you will. Tonight, after I'm arrested, you will. No, no, I won't. I know me. Never. Jesus is like, wait and see. And what does Peter do? Let's him down. He denies him. Are you with him? No, no, I'm not one of them. He does it three times. For the cock crows, as Jesus said would happen, and he realises what he's done. But after Jesus has died, risen again, and appeared to Peter, what does Jesus do? He has every right to tell him off. He has every right to go, told you so. I'm God, I know these things. Don't take me for an idiot. Told you you'd let me down. He doesn't, does he? What does he say? Do you love me? Peter goes, of course I do. And he says it again. Do you love me? Yes, I do. Not once does he tell him off, 
Not once does he even bring up the details of the incident. He just goes, do you love me? Third time. And Peter goes, yes, I do. And Jesus is like, that's all I need to know. Because that's what it's about. I know you're broken. I know you're, you fail. I know you say things you don't want to say. It's because it comes out of the overflow of your heart. Because you're a sinner. Like everybody else on this planet. And that's why I came. And that comes out of love. And life. And Jesus speaks life to you and to me. What does he say to us? To anybody who will receive him. He goes, you're mine. If you receive him, you recognise the sin in your heart and you recognise he's the only one through his life, perfect life lived on this earth in your place. His death on the cross, he gave himself up to in utter agony in your place. He rose again that you might live. He did that for you. If you receive that, he goes, you are mine. I forgive you. Healing, I forgive you. He won't cut you down. He won't go and spread gossip about what you've done. He receives you. And he goes, you are mine. You are my brother, my sister. My father calls you son and daughter. You are rescued. You are saved. You are transformed. You will be transformed even more. You are no longer dead. You are alive. You are mine. Life. 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 See, he is the, he's the only one who has every right to wield one of these and deliver death. And in fact, in the very last book of the Bible, Revelation 19, it's picture language, but he's described as being a rider on a white horse and he pulls a sword out of his mouth with which to strike the nations. That's because he's the perfect judge and he's able to judge. He's the only one who has a right to wield one of these and yet we usurp that and try and do it ourselves. It's not our place. And yet what he prefers is to anyone who will receive him is to deliver life. Don't reject that. It's the best offer on this planet ever. And don't put it off if you haven't already. Receive it. It's the eternal son of God forgiving you through his work, his sacrifice. We can refuse the remedies. We can refuse the answer of life. In my job as a paramedic, I've had people who refuse the treatment I can offer that will make them well. And they refuse it sometimes. That's up to them. We can do that. Jesus gives you the best offer on this planet and you can walk away from it. But more for you. Because there's eternal implications. Death, separation from him forever. Or life, relationship with him forever. It's one or the other, life or death. Let's just swap this for a moment. We're talking about the things we deliver and how we affect other people. I'm sure most or all of us in this room have been on the receiving end of it. Is that true? Words that have cut you, hurt you, burdened you, things spoken over you that have lingered in here and in here since the day they were spoken, possibly even back in childhood. It's hard to let go of them, isn't it? Because they have a power. They affect us as much as what we say affects other people. If that's true, come to the one who will never reject you, who will never cut you down, 
who will never burden you. In fact, he says, my burden is light. Come to me. It's different. If you've been on the receiving end of that, you can come to Jesus. We'll pray in a minute about that. You can come to him. He's the one who will always, always, always receive you. If you still can't avoid the gossip at work, this is what I was saying earlier about discipline. I will not gossip. I will not gossip. I will not gossip. On Monday, have you heard about such and such? Yeah, well, what I heard was this. Oh, done it. Don't even know we're doing it sometimes, do we? The ambulance service is fueled by gossip, isn't it? Oh, dear. I'm sure most other workplaces are. It's easy to get caught up in it before you even realise you've done it. And then you've added something else, more fuel to the fire, and off it goes again. Something's happened recently, and everybody's, why has he been suspended? What's all that about? We'll find out the facts when it happens. Let's not speculate, because then speculation becomes, inverted commas, truth. And it damages. We need to cut it off. I've seen a cartoon recently where people are gossiping, and there's someone thinking to themselves, I hate gossip, and they're all gossiping. And every time they gossip a bit more, they move their chair back a little bit more. And they move their chair back a bit more. And the people that are around the desk start gossiping a bit more. And they move their chair back a bit more. By the end of it, they're over with another group of people. And can I join in? That's probably not a bad thing we should do, really. Just edge your chair away a bit further. Cut it off. It's dangerous. We can try discipline, but ultimately we need a change of heart. So that guard is already over our mouth and won't let it out. Does your everyday speech serve your kingdom or his? Does my everyday speech serve my kingdom or his? Sometimes it does, unfortunately. And I need help to change my biology, my heart, that my fruit might be different. He took on death that he might give us life. If you receive the life of the word, Jesus Christ, who brings a change of heart, which affects our tongues, affects the fruit, and it affects the world. Imagine a church that never gossiped. It's hard, but imagine it. What a difference it will make in town. A church that always breathes encouragement and life. We do sometimes. We can do it more. We need his help. Make a difference in our world and point the way to Jesus, the one that actually helps it happen in the first place. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are the word. You speak life into us. You breathe life into us by the Holy Spirit. But your word even says you sing love songs over us. <laughs> Thank you so much. That despite our sin, despite our darkness, our selfishness, the stains in our hearts, you still love us so much that you came before I was even born, let alone before I even knew you, and died that I might live. Thank you, Jesus, that your life is born out of love, overflowing love, that offers up the first aid kit, not the sword. It might bring healing to my broken form. 
that I might live eternally in your grace and in your favour and in your rest. With you, not without you. But Lord, I ever need your help. For whatever years you've got left for me on this planet, for each one of us in this room, we don't know how long that will be, but while we're here, help us to honour you. Help the power of our tongue to always cling to life and not breathe death. Not just about the fruits that we'll eat of it, but other people as well. Help us to build each other up with encouragement. Help us to build up your kingdom and not ours. Our individual ones or even Beacon's one. It's not about Beacon, it's about you. Help us to be careful in our conversation. Help us to be considered. Help us in conversation to let the others be the VIP and to let us be a balm when they need it. Again, we need your help. If anybody here has really struggled with words spoken over them, still struggle now, just lift your hands. Just lift your hands to him. They're open hands and they receive from him. And you say, Jesus, I can't change what that person said. That can't be taken back, but you can heal it. You are bigger than the effects of those words over me. Help me to ground myself in the truth of what you think of me, how much you love me, the wonderful words you called me. Brother, sister, rescued, transformed, alive. And when those words ever come back to haunt me, let me remember the ones that you speak over me instead. The one who will never reject me the one who will always receive me and help me change for your glory. Lord Jesus, we thank you that even a sacred soundbite leads to you as the answer rather than a set of rules. I'd hate that. But there is a living one who is the answer every time and you are amazing. We think you're brilliant. We love you so much, Lord Jesus, but we need your help. Change our hearts. We pray in your precious name. Amen.